Welcome to the Wellness Pie Shop, where each episode we delve into a different slice of wellness in hopes of nourishing ourselves. With the help of special guests and a little of our own irreverent insight, we'll dive into some of the ingredients that make up the whole of Wellness Pie. We're your hosts, Dina Searden. And I'm Rachel Paez. Thanks for joining us. Now grab a cup of tea, sit back and relax, and enjoy a piece of Wellness Pie. On this week's Wellness Pie Shop, I have a special guest host, Samaya Ding Lawson. Samaya, you were here a few weeks ago and you did an episode with us and I just enjoyed it so much. I thought, Rachel's gone. I think Samaya needs to come on. <laughs> I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And also today we have our special guest, Kendrick Dial. Kendrick why don't you tell us a little bit about how you came to be here today? Uh, so I know this young lady you have co-hosting <laughs> because <laughs> she provides supervision for me uh, because I'm currently getting my hours to be an LCSW. I have I graduated, I graduated back in uh, 2013 from USC social work program. They had a satellite campus in San Diego. And didn't think that I was going to go the uh, go get licensed therapeutic route. I was thinking more of the community organization, policy administration side of things, but even more so just being a consultant and things of that nature. But due to the positions and everything that I was doing, I figured, you know what, let me go ahead and get these hours because I still am informally doing a lot of therapeutic services. So I figured I'd go ahead and uh, make that wave. And so uh, started working with an organization called Open Heart Leaders here in San Diego. Uh, primarily, we service uh, Southeast San Diego. And then on top of that, uh, my day job is I work with the Academy of Professional Excellence. I coach and train social workers, mainly in, in the uh, San Bernardino uh, area. Uh, but in terms of training, we train all over Southern California. So Ventura, Oxnard, LA, uh, San Diego. Wow. Yep. And then uh, just some peripherals. I'm also an artist. I do music, spoken word, do theater, work with the Old Globe, doing some teaching artist things. Also, I, I teach hip hop at San Diego State and in the, the history of hip hop, that is. Uh, and then of that, you know, I have a band called The Lyrical Groove and I do music and I'll put all those things together. So that's me, more or less. It sounds like you have a lot of responsibilities and for other people. And what I'm wondering is I'm very curious as to what values you might apply or rather, does that tie into any of your values? So I, that's an interesting way to put that. Cause I don't feel like I'm responsible for people. Like I don't, I don't, take on that. Mm -hmm. uh, the part I do lean into is how do I show up for people? I think that's my responsibility. And so the values in that, which the fortunate piece for me, when people probably hear all the things that I listed and they're just like, it seems so very disconnected, but for me, it's very connected. When I think about the music that I do, the music reflects the world that I live in in the sense that mm. I'm a social worker. So you're going to hear <laughs> You're going to hear things that focus on healing. You're going to hear about social justice. You're going to hear about, uh, you know, family dynamics and healing. Like those, those worlds collide for me. And so when I think about the values even connected for me in those spaces, it creativity is at the top because I think that's um, one of the things that I'm actually hoping to kind of help us redefine in terms of how we look at and use creativity. Creativity is problem solving. But oftentimes we you know, delegated to fun and playing. Uh, but when we think about creativity, there's the innovation, there's the technology, you know, there's the healing, right? I just, I'm reading The um, Body Keeps Score and he talks about the dynamic, dynamic of imagination. And, you know, with PTSD, people relive the same situation, even though they're in a different experience. And when it talks about how important the imagination is because you have to be able to imagine a different reality to be able to get to the healing process, right? And when we okay. think about people who come from, you know, 
marginalized communities, that's part of the, the method of healing or getting to that next level is imagining something different from what you're able to embody at that moment. And so I think, you know, in creativity is very much an integral part of my values and what I bring to the table when I'm, when I'm training, right? Because, you know, as well as an instructor, right? We, learners come from all different walks of life, you have audio, visual, you know, kinesthetic, you know, learners. And so as a instructor, I need to be creative about how I'm engaging students, how I'm engaging learners to make sure that what I'm saying they can receive and hear it in a way that speaks to who they are and how they're showing up, right? So I think, uh, and it's interesting, somebody actually just asked me, what do students need to be successful? And so I definitely said the creativity or the imagination part. I'm a, and then the other piece was belief and, and that belief itself, uh, that belief in, you know, a, a different reality. Um, I think to be able to, I do a lot of trainings around, um, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, bias, you know, having those tough conversations, right? And in those, you know, perspective is real because everybody feels like they're right. Uh, and so on some level, you know, we are, we, we can own our own truth. But there's also this belief that, you know, things can be different, that has to be a part of that. And, and to also believe that somebody's experiences is their experience. And so how do we actually hear that and listen to that and receive it in a way that it still allows us to engage in conversation, to seek to understand each other? And I think maybe the belief in seek to understand are, are kind of tied, if you will, because I think that's very much of how I walk life. I did nine years in the military, straight out of high school, went to the military, and that was eye-opening. I got to spend like my... I was in uh, Illinois for a good year and a half, then went to, to Virginia for like six months. And then I went to Japan for another six months. And that was just totally culture shock <laughs> to the nth degree. Mind you, I'm from Dallas, Texas. Okay. I, I don't think I'd ever traveled outside of the South until I joined the military. I've been to Louisiana and Mississippi a couple of times for some family reunions, but that was about it. You know, understanding probably one of the, the biggest things that happened there was meeting so many people from so many different walks of life and recognizing how similar our dynamics were as it related to family and feelings and things of that nature. And so it really kind of instilled this dynamic of like seeking to understand people and their situation. I used to be a, a trainer for conflict resolution, communication as well for a few years. And so, you know, understanding that perspective is big when you're dealing with, and how do you hear, and how do we communicate? And we all come from these different experiences uh, and how we communicate is such a big piece of how do we get along, how do we deal with conflict, and how do you see the world. So uh, that seeking to understand is pretty important. And I would say about the a final value that I bring to that table is authenticity is, is the word that comes up for me. And I think especially in a time like today that we're dealing with so much conversation around, you know, racial dynamics, you know, what does it mean to come up and be authentically you in this space uh, and so many different perspectives. For me, being authentic is knowing that, you know, I'm fortunate I've been able to walk in a lot of, a lot of different lanes of life. <laughs> and I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty, I don't feel like I'm doing a whole bunch of code switching necessarily when I'm, when I'm going into these different lanes, you know, professional or otherwise. Uh, for the most part, I get to be who I am and, and, and I get to be my creative self. I get to be who I am as a black man. I, you see, I got locks. Like, I don't feel no type of way about just being able to walk into a space and just be okay with being who I am. I know part of that came through my art because it allowed me to be on stages with people, you know, I think I wasn't even in college yet, but I was performing, you know, in front of college presidents and stuff like that. So I'm sitting right on stage. So I'm, I've never really had that dynamic of like looking at hierarchy in a disparaging way, so to speak, because I was like, oh, I could be that too. And so it's that, let you know, like, you know, when you own your authenticity and settle in your gifts, it, it'll take you places. And so I've been fortunate enough to really be a beneficiary of that. So I love what you're saying. It's, it's like, like my mind is blown, right? This idea of healing through creativity. I haven't, I haven't read the books. I saw Samaya was nodding her head. Um, have you read the book or have you? No, I wanted to read the book. I've heard okay. about it. And okay. actually my other supervisee is like, you've got to read the book. That's 
such a novel a way of healing and yet not right because without being able to get out of ourselves to use that creative part of our minds we're never going to be able to heal just like you said right without the belief that something's different but we can't even have a belief if we if we are not able to be able to get outside our heads or to shift into a different perspective and i'm going to think about that because i just that, that's just such a beautiful way of 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 looking at healing and then your life experiences are just are so diverse and it sounds like connection is also a big value for you would that be fairly accurate so accurate is actually one of my top five strengths. Okay. <laughs> like that's number five for me, connectedness. Connectedness. Okay. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. Because that, you know, I mean, I, I think all of us on the call as clinical social workers, there is a drive to connect with others, to give of ourselves in order to help other people shift in their perspectives. Right. And I don't know. I just, I just want you to know that I really, I appreciate everything you said. And, and my, I, I, my mind's just kind of spinning right now because I'm, I'm just thinking about this and looking at you and thinking, man, you're just showing up in the world and you're just being you. And I can see that you're probably touching so many people's lives on so many different levels. Right. And when I talked about having responsibility for people, it's more that idea of touching their minds right? And helping to mold and to shape and to provide a new lens through which to look. And I just, that is such a wonderful space to be in. And I, you know, applaud you for doing that. I just think that's wonderful. Thank you. I received that. (laughs) Your authenticity, that's, that was what drew me when I first met you as you do, you just show up in the world as you, as Kendrick Dial, like, where does that come from for you? You know what? I think it, number one, it, that place of discovery, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of discovery and acceptance, because I can say I went a good portion of my life growing up easily trying to see how to fall into the shadows, right? Not wanting to stand out, not wanting to ruffle feathers or anything. So, and, but then understanding the, the impact of being who you are and I think that journey for me started probably a good deal in the military because that's when I started really gaining a sense of who I was as a person. Uh, and, and so my bachelor's in Africana studies. And that was important for me because I wanted that sense of identity. I think, you know, no matter what you do in life, you, no matter what field, lawyer, doctor, whatever, the, the, the thing that is the most consistent is your identity, how you choose to show up in those spaces. So for me, you know, choosing that as my route was very much based in me getting an understanding of me, my culture, my history to, you know, enable me to show up in the world like I wanted to show up in the world. And part of that was discovering who I was as as a poet, as an artist, and knowing that that's very much a part of who I am. And so as someone who just kind of naturally leans into his strengths, wherever I can, I, I find ways to do that. And so I know that that's a part of, of me too. So I'm not sure if I answered that in its totality, but you know, those are all the things that, that kind of come up for me, you know, in the space of, of just being authentic and, and part of that and just the journey of manhood, right? And, and learning, you know, the type of man that I am is a type of man. Like it, it may not be the most cheese mode, may not be like, oh, I need to fight because I'm not, I'm not that guy. Like, let's, let's talk about this. Did they, did it? They hit you, okay. Well, why did they hit you? Let's 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 get a real understanding of what's going on. Let's talk about all these perspectives, and so and, and just learning that and knowing that that's okay. Like you can be who you are, uh, and lean into that space, and and ultimately that's what's going to open up the path for you. Not unfortunate because I, I think I'm each day I see that more and more. Now, I like to always always go backward as we talk about the present and your values, do you feel like came from any part of your upbringing? Um, did you have to, did your parents demonstrate that or cousins or family members or whomever? So the authenticity, I would say very much my grandparents. Uh, my grandmother was running original. I grew up with my mom, 
the father I knew, uh, he passed away when I was 12. I dealt with a lot of death, like, growing up. My grandfather, he passed away, like, when I was, like, 17. But up until that point, he was a very strong figure in my life. And he was very much him. He cursed like a sailor before I even got to the Navy. So, uh, and, and, but my grandmother was this wonderful, you know, Christian woman, spirited, you know, she, she would turn on a dime and cut you out too, but it took a while to get there. She had a, this, this beautiful little gold tooth, gold tooth bumping. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, always in church, uh, always, you know, a, a positive, happy energy to her. And those were like the dynamics that I leaned into, if I say the authenticity. So growing up, I also wanted, so this is, you know, when people talk about what did you want to be growing up? I want to be a comedian. I want to be a stuntman, lead major's fall guy, if y'all remember that. Of course. Uh, I, love <laughs> I love it. Uh, uh, a chef. Uh, and there's a part of me that wanted to be a poet and, and an actor as well, and a basketball player. So those were... Uh, yeah, social work never seems to come up on the who do you want to be when you grow what do you want to be when you grow up? A social worker is not usually well, they don't promote <laughs> it like that. You know, I didn't I didn't know what social workers were, you know. Right. Unfortunately, right. I think that's a fortunate thing. Uh so. <laughs> it is a good thing when you don't know them as a kid. Okay. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> True. Uh, but seeing that and then just, you know, uh yeah, I don't I don't know if I necessarily innately saw it you know I think it was you know you see elements of you know those people in life who just own who they are and they're, they're accepted they're loved and they have so much peace compared to somebody trying to fit into somebody else's experience and, and whatnot and so uh, I think the creativity the, the father that I had grown up was very much an engineer and so that's why even high school and even my first six years in the military I leaned toward the more technical but even the inventive side of things, you know, I used to, I used to uh, take apart my mom's VCR. <laughs> you still boy, you want them screws? Why still screws? Why they take the screws? Why these screws left over? Uh, you know, that made the contraption to try to like they cut off the light <laughs> the, through like the, the chain of reactions and whatnot. And so that creativity has kind of always been there. And when I was like about 1920, I really connected with the expression of creativity. And, and I think just growing up, I, I've always, I was in high school, I was that kid that could be with the nerds, that could be with the jocks, that could be with the theater kids, that could be with the, you know, you know, the troubling kids and but not get in trouble. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it was really the space of like, you know, when you sit down and actually talk to people and understand who they are, that's, that's all that is. Like, it's really how do you take the time to seek to understand somebody's experience and so that seek to understand it was kind of fostered in there and then the military just added it to it interesting that the military added to it yeah well because you deal with so many different people so many different walks of life yeah and so that's dealing with filipinos and like i had this it was i remember being in tech school and raul who was like pakistani from arizona he had more jordans than i ever had in my life and was all about Wu-Tang Clan. Like, <laughs> so great. It, it was like, you know, a very unique experience. And he's like, and I don't know where he is to this day. I think we lost touch after that, but I will never forget who he was in my life during that time. Cause he, it was me, him and, and my buddy Reese. Uh, and he was a short running back, green eyed black dude from San Antonio who was all Texas. Like I'm from Texas, but he was from Texas, Texas, like football, is you know the state capital like it was Friday Night Lights kind of stuff right yeah yeah and so for us to kind of you know engage and, and find those bonds and those connections uh you really realize like you know the different walks of life and, and how you're exposed to different people in such a real way that's I it's again a really beautiful thing because it could go either way right but given your personality and who you are as Kendrick it makes sense that you would look at people and find the commonalities rather than the differences. And because what I know of other folks who've been in the military, sometimes the opposite happens. And that is the differences begin to, the differences solidify and it just makes the walls even higher and thicker. Right. But it sounds like for you, the opposite occurred. Yeah. Yeah. 
it really opened up your your perspective and your eyes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's wow, I feel like I'm going down memory lane. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, but I mean, it's interesting to hear you say that. I, mean, we are, I have a good buddy. We call him Frank T. And uh, his name's Frank T. We call him Beans. Call him Beans because he talked to anybody from a can of beans. Uh, <laughs> you know, running around with him and my buddy Trey, who's he's still in. He's an officer now. You know, one's from Chicago. The other one was Virginia. And even with them, just like, you know, seeing how they were open and, and engaging to others. So I, I think I was very fortunate in terms of many of the people that I connected with over the years. Of, we vibrated on the same level in terms of like really being open to people and learning and things of that nature. So I, I think all of that is also a piece of that, that journey. And I'm sitting here talking about it now. I'm thankful for, you know, many of the folks that I've kind of come into my journey with because they helped me to expand. I'm curious to know when you meet new people and especially maybe even clients, how do you draw out their creativity? Like how do you find their creativity and how do you help them to grow from, from, from that? Yeah. So uh, I love this question, actually. This is one of my defining moments of when I really realized how I feel the world is looking at creativity in an invalid way. I was, a couple of years ago, I got to do a play with the La Jolla, La Jolla Playhouse. And in this play, uh, it was the summer, it was a pops tour. So we went to schools and whatnot. And this happened to be Home of the Brave. And we're acting like military kids, kind of telling some of their stories and whatnot. But for this play, we, we literally, uh, the playwright, uh, Lee, she was from uh, Hawaii. She wrote it. We rehearsed it. We teched it. They you know, did our props, they did our, our clothes and everything like in that process, right? And so we built, they, they built the set and we would come in and we would work and we, you know, theater is probably one of the most technical experiences that you could ever experience because everything has to be so spot on in terms of light cues. If somebody's dancing, if you sing Hamilton, you see how the stage is moving around or they're dancing around and all. So much has to be in sync for that, right? That's military level execution. I know I was a part of some military level execution that didn't happen that effectively. So, and it was in that moment, I was like, man, y'all got us out here working. Like I did nine years in the military. I mean, this, this, I, I feel like I worked harder here than some days in the military. And so it was in that space I really realized, like in terms of like, oh, we're, we've really been looking at creativity all wrong because this, this, that space was really about problem solving, right? And so because of that, it really made me, it really challenged me in terms of different experiences of like, how do I look at what we do, right? And I've learned that whenever you're working with people, with people that's an art. Even the most technical, dry social worker, uh, therapist or whatever, is actually doing art if they're if they're really engaging with people, because no two per, two people are the same. What speaks to one might not speak to others. So it's really how about how do you learn this person to engage, right? And so moving from there, I, I met a gentleman in Cabo one day, and I asked him what he what does he do for a living, and he says I'm a, a field trauma nurse. I'm like, what's that? It's like I get helicoptered into like you know remote places to. Um, you know, stabilize people so you can get helicoptered out. And it's like, is that creative? It's like, nah, I don't feel like that's creative. I was like, so if you had to put a hole in somebody's throat to so they could breathe, you could do that? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, that's not creative. He's like, I never thought about it like that. And so when I'm, when I'm working with people, it's about understanding, like, how do they tick, right? Or what do they bring to the table? And, and most importantly, like, what are they good at? Right. Even somebody who is a, is a mastermind of organization is creative because you're creating order out of chaos. As somebody who creates a lot of chaos, <laughs> I know it's, <laughs> I know it's not easy. So that is definitely a skill. Right. And so when you lean into understanding what people are, uh, are good at and how they show up in the world, it, then for me, that's around how you can pull out that creativity. And sometimes it's just empowering people to do that because uh, in as Brene Brown, I think she called it creative scars. I, I said I call them creative wounds. And it's basically a lot of us when, we, when it comes to creativity, as kids, we're naturally there. We're inquisitive, we're trying to figure out stuff, but it, it gets diminished, right? You need to show up like this, or the kid who is the more 
artsy or rambunctious, if you will, they'll say, well, let them go play with stuff and, and right, do that. Uh, go draw on some paper or something like that. But the kids who are more logical and scientific, we'll put them over here because we, you know, we value that creativity, but we don't value the other kind, right? And so there are other experiences where, you know, we get shunned when we start experiencing or showing our creativity, right? If you're that kid who, you know, maybe draws on the wall and not the paper, right? Or, you know, the I had a friend who's a, a vocalist and growing up for her, she used, to, she used to sing, but her mom would get, you know, drunk and then be like, come here, baby, sing, right? And so it became such a negative experience or, you know, you, you try to try out for something and it doesn't work out, right? So it's, it's, it's these moments where uh, we have these scars around creativity that doesn't allow us to really show up in our creativity. And so many of us, you know, diminish it and let it go instead of leaning into it. So I just try to help remind folks of what that is and, and know that your creativity can look different and it might look very logical. That's also a part of creativity. That's profound. Again, I mean, I feel, I just feel like I'm um, really out of my depth in a, in a sense, because <laughs> what you're talking about is um, you're really speaking to me and as someone who has always considered myself very creative, what you just said was we have these scars and it diminishes our creativity over time. And certainly that's happened to me. And I have actually found myself when I take like the Myers-Briggs or something like that, that my, you know, I'm more extroverted, but the more extroverted I get, the less what I would consider creative I am. And I become much more left-brained. So that's, that's just, it's, it's really interesting. The other thing that I find so fascinating is this idea that social work is art because no two people are the same. And one of the things that I've noticed is there are a lot of social workers who actually are artists in one way or another, musicians, fine arts, right? And I'm wondering, you know, another common thread between some of the clinicians that we've had on are, are these ideas of connectedness, kindness, compassion, and authenticity. I'm, I'm just sort of in my head thinking there must be some way these synapses are all connecting together in a certain way that creates uh, a space in the mind to have it happen. That's really ethereal. And I don't know if it makes any sense at all, but. So what, what that makes me think of uh, is a book called The Talent Code. Uh, and it talks about all these little pockets of situations where you have, I think of what, it was like a small time in remote random places where they bring like some of the best athletes or some of the, the best people, but seemingly they don't even have the sport. Like I can't think of the exact examples. One was this, it was a remote place and it was, it was a game that they played and it wasn't soccer. It was, it was a game was well, like it was kind of like soccer, but it was like a small ball, and they used to, you, you couldn't use your hands and whatnot. You, you may have heard of, but anyway, you know, be, because of this dynamic of how they play, they are phenomenal soccer players when it comes to like ball control and things of that nature, right? Uh, and they it's also talked about another word about these tennis players uh, who were fostered in this particular town or whatnot. And what it what it breeds is these moments where there's a level of what's it called of like deep practice when they talk about deep practice. And it's not just seemingly going through the motion. It's like you where your concentration is really there, right? And so I think when you when we think about normally people who get into these uh, type of social work dynamics, they've been through some things, right? A <laughs> they, bit. They've a experienced some tragedies of life in one form, fashion, around it to themselves somehow, some way, right? And so they, they want to sit in that seat of not having other people have those same experiences or being able to help them through, right? And so there's a level of like deep practice on a very individual space, but under the conditions of trauma, of abuse, under pain that all these people tend to have in common, and how they found their way out and through it. And so for me, it just kind of sings to where those, those themes that you talked about, compassion, authenticity, because 
through those, those are the, the, the liberating forces that we often find mm -hmm. because of those experiences. So I, I can understand that. I like that, the liberating forces. That's um... much more positive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How was your creativity nurtured growing up or was it? Um... You know, um, so I watched a lot of TV. Me too, me too. <laughs> Classic 80s, 90s kid. I know right. every TV show, sitcom, you can imagine every right. song. Probably one of my biggest ones is Indiana Jones. Mm. And what I loved about Indiana Jones was the fact that he was a professor as well as this, you know, adventure seeker, discoverer, you know, and all the different things that he, and he merged education with real life and adventure. And so for me, those, and, and, and I used to write, like I did like creative writing just for myself and poetry growing up. So for me, that was a lot of that. And, and out of, I was the only boy, I got two sisters, I'm a middle child. So that was its own level of forced creativity at times. And then playing basketball, that was probably my initial space, right? Cause it was, you know, moves and figuring out the shot and understanding team dynamics. Like, you know, one of, I figure one of my strengths is like being able to see people and see what they're good at and then, you know, make those connections. Okay. So if I got a big man who can't dribble the ball, but not, but stay by the rim, right. <laughs> I get you really close right. to the rim, right? Or don't dribble, you just shoot. When I give it to you, you just shoot, right? So positioning people and all those type of things. So when I think about my creativity, I, I think it's uh, much of that. My dad growing up, he was, like I say, he was an engineer. And so he had a vacuum shop. So I would see him there fixing stuff. And then we used to put together bikes, uh, not bikes, uh, scooters. Not like the little, you know, small wheel scooters. Like we had like the tricycle size wheel scooters that you could really ride on, catch some speed on. Yeah. Um, and so that my, my granddaddy built me like my, one of my first, you know, big boy bikes. Had like a big banana seat. Looked like a motorcycle. <laughs> It literally had shocks. I'm like, you're going to make it work. Yeah. You got to send a picture of that. That is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. So, but I, but I think, and then just, you know, I, I didn't realize how, you know, little we had per se growing up uh, until I, I left. I was like, oh, we broke. Uh, but, <laughs> but in that, you know, you find the ingenuity in, you know, different meals, right, uh, in, in the food you eat, in terms of how do you go about doing things. So I think in all those different ways is where creativity was, it, which once again, a lot of it was just problem solving. It was like, I'm hungry, what are we going to eat? Or how, <laughs> how are we going to stretch this meal? Or, you know, all those different things. I think what I love is that you're taking us and working with people and teaching them how to, to look at their the way their mind works. Because I think a lot, what you said was these folks that are organizers or whatever, don't see themselves as creative. They don't see themselves in that light, but there's something about being labeled creative. I think that enables creativity. If you tell someone who would not normally think of themselves as a creative person and you say, you know what you are. And then you point out the ways in which that person is actually creative the way that you do um, Kendrick. I think that promotes creativity, right? In it, and that's amazing because right. you, you go back to that as being a child, like you said, when we're kids, we're all creative mm -hmm. and we all have different ways of, of managing life. And the reason that we have, you know, we grow up with poor coping skills is because as children, we were very creative in, you know, doing things to protect ourselves. And we came up with these very creative coping mechanisms that served us when we were children and don't serve us anymore as adults. Right. So right. what, what I hear you doing is you're taking people back to that place. Right. Yeah. It's a very strength-based approach, right? Or we think about client centered or um, brief solution focused, right? We think about all these different kinds of theories that we study and learn, but the, the reality is, and the truth is that all of us have creativity in us. So all of us have that strength and little do we know that it still can be applied to today as an adult. I think we just lose sight of that because- because growing up, creativity is not necessarily a good thing. It's it's 
okay, it's cool. You know, it's fun, but it's not real practical. Like you can't get a job being creative or, I mean, at least I, that's how I think in my, my friend of mine, how we were raised to think. Right. And so I think bringing back that original strength that all of us have in us is so good because we don't ever pull from that, you know, and, um, it could be something that can be so small, but have such a huge impact on a person, you know? Yeah. It's, it's interesting that, you know, we, we scream that we, there's no place for creativity when, you know, the music industry and the entertainment industry is a billion dollar industry, right? And, and, and a lot of times we get stuck in this space if you're not Beyonce, if you're not, you know, any other notable, like, mainstream artist that you're not successful. And for me, I think a part of my journey is also I've been able to see success in in real ways. Like I got tons of artists and music friends who literally you've never heard of and probably never will, but they make a living off their music. They make a living off playing. So it can be done. And, but to your point is, is how do we value it? Right. And then understanding how do we engage with it in a meaningful way? Because uh, the other part of it for me is also helping artists or creative understanding well, helping people understand what level of creativity fits your life. Mm-hmm. Everybody's not necessarily meant to go out and be on Broadway and doing 10, 10 shows a week and stuff like that. Maybe that's, that may not be your calling for creativity. Your thing may be, you know, let me sit up here and crochet. You know, crochet once a week, every, every two weeks or something like that, have a little community of folks. Maybe that's good. Uh, as much as I do music and, and whatnot, like for me, just being able to perform every now and then, I don't, I don't, I used to have dreams of maybe being on tour. I'm not, I'm not there anymore. Like, let me make some music. You put in a movie, I'll take that check. But <laughs> let me do a show here, show there. You know, I'm good. I don't, I don't need to be, you know, practicing it like that. Uh, so really uh, honing in on what does your creativity look like for you is also a piece of that journey too. Because it, but then when you recognize that, oh, I bring my creativity in my everyday life, you also get a different type of energy around that, right? Instead of feeling like what I'm doing is so mundane and so boring and so prescriptive. Well, no, that's understanding who you are, right? And I think identity plays such a big piece in this because we go through life really trying to figure out who we are in the context of any and everything related to us, you know, who like, Let's go and dive in, ladies. So uh, I, when I was 21, my, my, my mother told me that the father that I thought was my father was not my father. So as you might imagine, my foundation is, is shook. And I'm really like, well, who am I then? Like, and where would I be had I known that, right? Because that sense of identity is so very important. And it, in that, shortly after it was some time or whatnot, it was just really just owning the spirit, owning the space of, I might never know that answer, and how, have I, how am I showing up in the world and who do I want to show up in the world to be? And how do I own that experience? And for me, it was, okay, well, let me lean into who I am as a creative, as I see my strengths and how I like to engage with people and let me lean in that. And that's been my focus. So I think for me, that's how all of those worlds kind of collide. And, and I think at the, the undercurrent is definitely spirit uh, because I think spiritually that's a big foundation for me growing up and then even trying to be in the space of understanding what that is and how that looks you know uh as an adult having gained education having a sense of identity in a stronger way like it's a very interesting journey to have to take and so that we all do to a certain degree and so just finding that space uh i had an interesting thing happen the other day this this young lady at the gym told me i had to face a buddha uh which <laughs> Which I was like, wow, like, yeah, yeah, right. Well, part of his thing, part of it was like, okay, I'm in the gym. I got fat cheeks. Is, is, <laughs> like, what would you saying right there? But, 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 uh, but, but I, I got what she was saying though. She was just like, you just have such like a, you know, a piece about you or whatnot. Uh, and, and for me, that resides in the face of like, I know I'm doing what I was called to do, like purposely and, and showing up in the world, using my gifts, uh, in, in operating in a way that, you know, I found joy, I found peace in. So I think that piece of the journey is kind of, you know, the piece to get to. And, and definitely there's more evolution and growth that I have to do. But I think having tapped into those experiences and, and how that connects to my art has definitely fostered that piece. So a question about 
following those, your values, has there been a time for you when, when you val- when your values have been questioned, or- when you, when you've, when you've not been able to lean into your authenticity or you're not, you've not been able to lean into your creativity. I mean, you allude, you know, you said, oh, when I found out the father wasn't my biological father, that that really struck a chord and it was challenging for you. How do you move through that? So when I think about the moments where maybe that space is not really there, I think number one, a little bit of trial and error. You know, I'm not going to say I've been up here and I've experienced a whole bunch of drugs because I haven't. But just in like we explore coping mechanisms of different kinds, you know, it's, it's a little bit of trial and error. What does this do? What is, you know, if I, if I go up here and I party all night and, you know, and, and have unlimited drinks and whatnot, what does that do? Uh, if I engage with these type of people and whatnot. And so part of it is that bouncing around that we kind of naturally do in terms of like trying to find your crowd or trying to find your, your tribe, if you will, of folks that really speak to who you are and, and you know, that how you show up resonates with you, right? Or, you know, what, what does it mean to engage with, you know, activities or things that, you know, we might think we're trying to have fun, but we're actually coping, right? Uh, I, I used to tell when I was a substance abuse counselor, like I was, and I was like, it's, it, I could have easily been in here with y'all. Like, <laughs> I have no, which I think for me, that's the level of my humility and just knowing that it was a green light or a red light that saved me. It was a, a cop not at the light or at somewhere that I was at the, at the wrong time, like that saved me from being in these predicaments. And so in that space, I think we're all just trying to find it. But I think that's also the importance of community uh, in terms of like having people to reinforce who you are. Because I think that was a piece of my journey, too, of like people being like, yo, this ain't you. Like and, and like even growing up in, in neighborhoods, like I, I, I kind of talk about, you know, how even the maybe the because I've had like, you know, gang members, drug dealers. Not, I wasn't necessarily trying to do those things, but even just, you know, being around it, they, they know, they, they know, like we'd be at the basketball court and whatnot. And they, and they, and they know, and they're just like, y'all going, y'all, y'all don't do this and whatnot. And so even that's, you know, a place of, of, you know, community uh, in a real way and, and folks kind of really directing you and, and I think probably there was a portion of my life when people would, you know, are oh, you square, you, you know, or whatever. And, you know, instinctively, we kind of like, no, I'm not square. I'm like, no, 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 you squ- no, you square. Go, go sit down. This, you're not about that life. And, and, and accepting that and being okay. It's like, yo, like, I'm, I'm okay because I know over here there's peace. <laughs> I don't have to worry about that. That's a whole bunch of stress and stuff that I ain't used to. That's a whole bunch of drama. I like peace of mind. Like, let me just stay on this particular path. Uh, and let me show up and do these things. So I think, you know, that community that, you know, having tried and, you know, you try different things and, and you, you know, get to that space of seeing like, nah, this ain't me. And so some people get there a lot quicker. Some people actually get back on the other side. Some people don't make it back. And I think another piece of it is also seeing the world around around you, right? I grew up, I had an uncle who was in prison since... I think I probably was like 13 or 14. He was, he did like a good 11 plus years in prison and like knowing those dynamics, right? I had another uncle who was killed in prison when I was like 11 to 12. Like, you know, seeing people in the community, I had a few friends that passed away due to like gang violence or or something like that. Uh, Even now as, you know, um, as a 40 year old man, and seeing like hip hop legends pass away at 50. Like, I'm thinking like, yo, this, this way of living is not right. <laughs> like you gotta do something different uh, and whatnot. So even I'm, I'm very, I've always been up to add it's like, I don't need to experience it to learn from it. So if I see some other dynamics and some things that ain't working for some other folks, I'm gonna think twice about, do I need to do that? And I think your creativity comes in there because you're able to imagine yourself right. in those positions and you realize that, no, that's, that's not for me. I think one of the things you touched upon is something that we've also talked about in the past. And that is, you know, it's never perfect, right? right. And it's trial and error. And it's what worked for you to keep you Buddha-like in the gym, <laughs> uh, you know, 
a month or two ago or pre-COVID isn't necessarily what's going to be um, what keeps you at Buddha like next year. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's it's just having walking in alignment with your values and continuing to test what works and what doesn't work. Right. Right. Yeah. Sorry, I think what you touch on is so many things um, that one of the things that it hits home for me is talking about your tribe and your community, you know, and how they've really been there for you. And I think help to kind of guide and mold sort of your values and sort of to help you stay in your values, right? And I think that's an important thing that I think is really what makes you you, you know, is, is the people you surround yourself with. Yeah, like, it's such a real, like, so... I didn't get a chance to tell you tell you this yet. I'm actually okay, headed, yeah, I'm headed up to LA tomorrow to be in a movie. Oh uh, and this is because a good buddy of mine, he's an actor. I met him out here in San Diego. We met in junior college over a, a decade, probably a little bit more than that. Uh, and he wasn't even acting it. That's such a trippy role. Uh, but he himself, his name is Will Cadet, uh, but he himself you know, in terms of how we've been able to show it for each other and how we have been able to kind of uh, speak. I remember just, you know, I got separated. I was divorced a few years ago and, and went up there and and kicked it with him. And, and just the brother that he is for me was able to really just kind of speak life into me and over me in a real way that was just like, dude, what's, what's going on, man? Like, what's, what's happening, man? And, and like, where you at? Uh, and so you know, having those people that can hold you accountable, like accountability is such a real, you know, space and, and even an inspiration because me seeing him, the direction he's gone and whatnot challenged me in my own way to really hone into who I am and, and focus and just be in my own direction uh, about what my, whatever my lane is and kind of st stay ready so you get ready. So I'm, I'm going up to be in this movie to, to do a poem and I'm happy that the fact that I've been doing me and I'm and I'm ready, right? It's like, you know, stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And like I, I know I'll go up there and do my thing, it's gonna be all right. And in six months from now, y'all gonna see a movie. Like, you know, we yeah. have I knew him when. He doesn't need that LCSW. Oh, 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 oh. Little name, little LCSW after his name. This also reminds me, it sounds very, very familiar to what you had said, Samaya, and that is knowing when to ask for help and having those people around you that can provide that, give you that accountability, right? Put your feet to the fire and say, hey, wait a minute. Because uh, Samaya, you had said that your secret ingredient was knowing when to ask for help. And so I'm, I'm, I'm hearing similar sort of things, but I'm going to ask you, Kendrick, what is your secret ingredient to keep it in your lane, to keep it going where the direction that, that, you know, works for you? No, that's a good question. What comes up for me is peace, right? I think what is such a peace, <laughs> what is such a peaceful place when I think about the dynamics of what, like even with the situation with this particular movie opportunity, it has been probably relatively the most stress-free dynamic that I've had when it comes to such a big opportunity. My buddy called me, he's like, hey, what you doing Friday? It's like, what I need to be doing. <laughs> and he's like, need to say a poem for this you know, film on Friday, can you get it? I was like, yeah, no, no worries. They contacted me yesterday, you know, let me know what the deal was. Today, I talked to my, my supervisor, my job, told her what it was. I'm going to be in tomorrow. Cool, great. Tomorrow, I'll drive up. And, and that's been just such a piece about the experience, right? And, and I'm learning that, you know, when you experience life and you go through and you feel like you're torn between your head and your heart. And, and when I reflect back in terms of like those decisions when I was torn in my head and my heart, it normally didn't work out. <laughs> Uh, or whatnot. So it's, you know, how do you lean into that, that piece about who you are in those, in those decisions, right? And so one of the things that I've gotten to the point of being able to do, because 
I'm someone that does a lot of things of having to hone in on, is this aligned with who I am and where I see myself going? And just because you can do a lot, don't mean you should do a lot. And then you also have to set, you know, being able to set those boundaries about how you are showing up in the world, because at some point other people ask you to show up in the world for their needs and not yours. So I think all of those things go into it, but at the end of the day, it's really about how do you maintain peace uh, within that space and, and being able to, you know, like working out is a part of my meditation. It's a part of allowing me to free my mind for, uh, you know, creativity, you know, having a community of folks that I work out with. My daughter actually is probably, my daughter is probably the most clarifying agent <laughs> in my life. Uh, and so with that comes peace. Uh, and so when me and her mom separated, you know, we tried to keep things relatively consistent for her. And part of the dynamic is a month out of the, a week out of the month, she'll come spend with me. And it's been good for me because, you know, I'll be ripping and running and doing all my things and yada, yada, yada. And then when she comes to me, I try to really put a lot of things. Yeah, I probably, you know, close down a lot of things just so I can kind of focus and be in tune with her. It's done so much for me in terms of allowing me to really be present and in the moment with her so we can have our time together and it cuts out the conflict of having to be here and there in situations where I can't just bring her like, come on, girl, you gonna go. Uh, but yeah, that that's probably the biggest peace agent of my life. I'm in awe today. <laughs> I, I am so appreciative of everything that you've shared with us, Kendrick. And I could probably continue this conversation for hours <laughs> um, because I haven't even begun to touch on that idea of creativity is so much bigger than just a value. It encompasses so much. Right. And we didn't even really, we talked a lot about creativity, but there's a lot more to talk about at any rate. I really appreciate you being here with us today. And I thank you so much. Good luck tomorrow on your, on your film. <laughs> That's really exciting. Can't wait to um, be able to say, Hey, <laughs> oh, that guy. Right. Yeah. I met him once. <laughs> <laughs> I picked like, his brain. <laughs> that's right. You're like, he did my podcast, you know. No, thank you. Uh no, this has been great. It's it's been like a cooler moment of reflection and whatnot. And, and we need those every now and then. So I again just have a huge appreciation for your for your being here today, Kendrick, and you know, wish you well and all the good luck in the world. And mm -hmm. um Samaya, thank you so much for co-hosting with me. Yeah, yeah. Of course. We go way back. It reminds me of equine therapy all over again. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank and, you for having me. It's been a wonderful pleasure. So thank you for the invite as well. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, thank you again. And um, Samaya, I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. All right. All right. All right, guys. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. Good night.